moving game, bro. <laughs> You're listening to America's most game <laughs> podcast. <laughs> the mo- our, America's most game podcast. Like America's most we're, game we're podcast. Game podcast. We, we edit these. You can you can do that again if you want. Nope. All right. That's my NPC dialogue because I am because <laughs> I am NPC Matisse Van Rossum of America's Most Game Podcast. You should just put the uh, the Oblivion soundtrack in oh, the background yeah. there. <laughs> Hello, traveler. Maybe maybe I'll just put it under the entire episode. <laughs> Who are you? Uh, I, I'm Ben Sheets, and I I keep my dog strapped. <laughs> Hi, um, I'm Cleveland Mosher, and I'm in a bit of a pickle. <laughs> okay. I'll, t- I'll accept that. <laughs> well, uh, after the hellish experience that was had last week with our discussion of Twilight, <laughs> I'm finally, I finally righted the ship. This week's my pick, and we're going back to uh, the old faithful well of david cronenberg <laughs> the unwell the unwell yeah and um i i wanted to talk about a uh maybe lesser known david cronenberg lesser talked about at least yeah but also one of his most accessible i've got some thoughts on that but I we'll do i don't want to get too 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 deeply into that right now but yeah we're talking about existence um which I think is a really uh, fun and interesting and strange movie, uh, which is saying something for Cronenberg. And, you know, I think the real heads appreciate this movie, um, but you definitely don't hear it mentioned in the same breath as stuff like Scanners or The Fly or Videodrome, other stuff we've talked about on the show. This one is, uh, I don't know if it's totally a deep cut, but it's... It's, it's a step. underrated. It's for underrated sure. for sure. Yeah, um, this came out in 1999. It stars. Sure uh, did. It, yeah, it sure did. You can <laughs> tell. It came out in 1999. It stars Jude Law and uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh, and it's about what if video games were just little guys that <laughs> little guys what, what what if what if playing video games was the horniest thing that you could do i mean what if you could have a bonus hole well, yeah what if you could have bonus butthole <laughs> would you jack it oh, would yeah, you maybe. would you pour it in mm-hmm. yeah i mean jokes aside I, I think this this movie is just a very apparent allegory for pegging Yes. Pretty earnestly. Like, I, I mean, like, not, again, I, I, jokes aside, like, like that's, that's what this movie is about. It's about, like, weird sexual exploration and you know, mean, learning new things about your body that you might not be, like, comfortable learning about. You could have just said that it's a David Cronenberg film. True. It's all euphemisms I, for um, sliding a finger into somebody's butthole, yep. uh, basically. Or anything, into anyone's anything, really. Yeah. Tongue in the booty hole as we get there's, in the movie. Yeah. There's a, yeah, we get a lot of a lot of things and things in this film. So strap in or strap on. You're in for a I while. I feel ride. like I feel like this film is like sort of oddly prescient. Uh I feel like it's the same yeah. kind of horny that like 
those weird like anime dating sims that are just all over steam i wouldn't know anything about those (laughs) i wouldn't either but you know sometimes you're scrolling through steam and you'll see one pop up and you're like whoa that's a nightmare Mm -hmm. and this this movie i feel like sort of uh, imagines that same sort of world where uh, playing video games is a sexual deviancy and uh, should and should be punished as such. Yes, it kind of goes into the idea of a real world versus a virtual world and what sort of overlap those two have. And, and there is much overlap. Yes. And in the real world, you can be horny, and in the virtual world, you can also be horny. In the virtual world, you can be even hornier. (laughs) Another way I could pretty succinctly summarize this film is it is Neuromancer with more meat. Neuromancer. Ooh, Neuromancer. I like that. I like that. Um, uh, You know, it's... it's, Neuromancer? I hardly know her. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Um, but no, it, it has, you know, a lot of themes of tiered realities and, uh, espionage and being double crossed. It's, it's a neo-noir where the tech is all flesh tech. Yeah. Um, and, uh, that fucking rules. And well, again, very 1999, uh, you know, we're, we're looking at, you know, like, uh, this, this movie would, would sit unusually alongside, you know, Johnny Mnemonic or, you know, any of the other films from... I think it's a time, lot but... more forward thinking in terms of like its portrayal of technology than a lot of those mm-hmm. other movies. Yeah, but like... the beats like it is definitely a cyber noir. Like this sure, came out yeah, the same yeah. year as The Matrix. Can you believe that? That's wild. Oh man, this is. I like this movie better. Oh, way better. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, this movie is. I mean, it's certainly less like derivative of like you know other stuff from that time but like the beats are all pretty straightforward like uh for again like it's it's all like it's it's super gibsonian it's just the aesthetic is very different yeah um for the best like it's really cool and unique in that respect but let's just if we could just really quickly talk about because i gotta get this out like just how much of a 90s time capsule this movie is the the cameras that they shoot it on the 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 text you know like existence with like oh my god the x yeah. and the z capitalized it's so like late 90s you know like those those like crazy jude, jude like, law's high-waisted pants mm-hmm, mm-hmm. jennifer jason lee's leather pants yeah and her weird like crimped hair yeah oh yeah it's like yeah, it's just it's so to the and like the color palette too is is all like very like that. It's it's one of <laughs> uh, of the Cronenberg films I've seen, which the list has grown, you know, pretty pretty nicely. Yeah, thank you guys. Um, uh, of the Cronenbergs I've seen, I think it's the the cheapest looking one too. Yes, like there's a there's almost a made for TV quality. Yes, about this movie, and I find all of those things to be incredibly charming. And uh, I, it makes me almost like this movie more. I think it. I think it can also be off-putting. Yes. Uh, to people, it was for me the first time I saw it. Until we won't get into that quite yet. Um, mm-hmm. But it is. Yeah, it's it's stylistically strange for Cronenberg. Like all of the tech, like the biotech, is like very Cronenberg like it, mm-hmm. it has it's the visual hallmarks but yeah it's all kind of like stiff and like 
very brightly lit for the most part, very kind of flat. The acting is all kind of flat as well. Um, a number of characters doing some really strange accents. Um, Jude Law's accent is very weird in this movie. It's like he's not using his real voice, but he's doing like a Canadian accent because he says a boot and sorry, <laughs> which is just, I feel like it's just a weird decision. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I see where you guys are coming from by saying like the the lighting and cinematography is a bit flat, which makes it feel a little cheaper. However, I think this movie to me feels like one of Cronenberg's most mainstream adjacent movies in terms sure. of oh, like yeah. uh, plot structure as well as like big actors and effects. I think this is one of the biggest effects showcases. Yeah, and and of like Cronenberg's career. I do think like to be clear like the saying it looks cheap I think only goes so far because the effects across the board are really good in this I mean Cronenberg always Mm -hmm. has great practical effects but there's some actually like surprisingly good CG in this movie too especially for 99 for 99 and for what was almost certain like what was certainly like a low to mid budget film certainly not a high budget film like the little the little two headed like mutant frog thing like the first time it like comes out and, like climbs up on top of the gas pump that's pretty like, good that looks pretty good yeah like it's it's obvious that it's some like enhanced puppetry like it's not entirely cg but i was really surprised how good that looks for a it movie that came out well. in 99 yeah, yeah. well yeah because like some of the effects in the matrix have not held up super well you know yeah, that's what's so interesting about this film is for as much of a time capsule as it feels, it it also feels like pretty unique still and yeah. it holds up really well. Um it's still a fun watch, it's compelling. Um and And it's undeniably a Cronenberg film. Undeniably. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh and well it's just it's it's really neat to me because like Cronenberg's name is largely associated with the eighties. And even his more recent stuff, to me, is still sort of tinged with that. Like, Crimes of the Future, um, it, it feels like an 80s film, almost, you know, in, in some ways. Like, it, it's it's got a modern veneer on it, but it, uh, the, I mean, the kind yeah, of the he's, brutalism of it. Like, he's it just been making films the since the late 60s. Yeah, like, and The Fly is like a, is like a, is yeah. an essential 80s horror film. And... You know, and same with Videodrome and, like, all the rest. Like, they, they're all just so steeped in the 80s. So it's just, it's so interesting to see a movie of his that feels so 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great. Uh, especially, like, like uh, History of Violence also. Like, that, that film is very, is very classic. Um, like, he's, he's such yeah. a, a, a uh, he, he has all the, the sensibilities of, of uh, like, classic movies. Yeah. And classic well, filmmaking. And so, like, it was, it's really cool seeing him explore with intent at the time, like, modern 90s kind of artificial sensibilities and yeah. things that look kind of cheap. And it you're, you can damn well tell it's intentional. And it works, and it services the that fake game world feeling so well. Like, you can, like, the movie is, you know, like, we've talked about, like, all about, like, reality breaking down. And when reality feels cheap and not entirely real, it, like, it, it feels like it's artifice. 
And it's cool. It's neat. It's, it's clever, and it and it works. It works really well. And it, it captures so well, like the idea of the the NPC. Yeah. You know, which I feel like yeah. has has been like weirdly in culture now has come around to to sort of like uh, be like a derogatory term for like like people who who aren't awake to the truth. You know, like the anti Q like people. Who's truth. Yeah, right, exactly. It's like, oh, you're an NPC. It's like, it's got that main character syndrome. But, like, it does, like, the idea of the NPC in games, like, especially in, like, fucking Bethesda games, you're talking about, like, Oblivion NPCs and stuff. It's like, talking to these, like, pre-programmed characters with these pre-programmed lines has, like, such a weird, like, specific feel to it. And Cronenberg was, like, nailing that perfectly in 1999. Well... Yeah, like the the gamer stuff. Of all the things you would think would have aged poorly from a '90s movie about video games, has probably aged the best. Yeah, like that's wild. Like like '90s movies about video games are often like joked about and laughed at for being like super super cringy and silly, and even into the early 2000s with you know if you die in the game, you die in real life. And yeah, all that kind of silly stuff or hackers. Well, seeing these hack like the planet. Like seeing these like these like quaint these like quaint understandings of like technology when it was Mm -hmm. this technology when it was still sort of in its infancy, like it tends to age badly. But yeah, I feel like this movie has aged so well, and like the and I think it's because like it doesn't do any like like artificial looking like video game stuff in it, like. The game is virtual reality, so it looks like reality, right? And all the tech is this, like, weird Cronenbergian, fleshy biotech. So it's unlike anything you would ever see in, like, other hackery, video gamey kind of movies. So it, like, does enough to set itself just aside from all of that stuff that it doesn't feel like hackneyed and dated i think no i agree like it it steps around a lot of the conventions of the time when you know video games were emergent in pop culture so everyone was using all the the video game buzzwords and this movie very uh intentionally steps around that and tries to build its own language and its own world and mythos first and uh you know anytime like there's exposition it's it's usually exposition around that um, around how this game operates, this weird flesh game. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's, I think that's yeah, that's why it works so well still. Yeah, I mean, what I find really brilliant about the premise is, like, the, the whole idea of playing a video game, in a sense, is a very Cronenbergian idea in that, you know, you're kind of committing your flesh to embody a persona with limited control. And this movie is all about kind of those boundaries of control and constraints within a game or, you know, a virtual world of sorts and how reality can sort of seep in through that. And our own views and ideologies can kind of come out through that. And I, you know, I would most directly point to the uh, revolutionary group in this movie, as an example, the they, realists. Yes, they they they're introduced very early in the 
in this movie in a very explosive scene, I would say. I, I love the intro yes. of this movie. Yeah, sure. We can start talking um, about that a little bit. Christopher Eccleston is like, I don't know. A, he's a he's a, he's a moderator. PR. Facilitator. Yeah. Moderator, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's like a moderator. For the forum. And he he has a bunch of people Public in what forum, seems not, like a no, church. A private forum. Of sorts. Yeah, it is a church, which I think is is really going into like one of the major themes of this movie, and that like the game turns the player into God, but the creator is also God. So there's like these um, these sort of like layers of divinity. Um, but yeah, Christopher Eccleston is uh, he's moderating this uh, like focus group test of this company's hottest new game from the world's you know hottest young game dev uh allegra geller uh played by jennifer jason lee and he's writing it out on a chalkboard yes the <laughs> capital game. x capital z that's that's the first line of the movie after the credits is existence it's written like this Capital X, capital Z. So immediately you know how to pronounce the name of the film if you were uncertain. This is the first time they're focus testing this new upcoming game, Existence. They're bringing in people to try it for the first time. But this isn't this isn't your granddaddy's PlayStation. This isn't your uh, this isn't your pappy's Sega Dreamcast. Uh, Video games in this world are. Uh, you you have a second butthole in your back, a bioport that you plug this weird little fleshy blob into via an umbilical cord, and uh, then you sit there flicking the bean on it, yeah. uh, and it's like that this bean. fleshy pod made out of mutated trout organs. Yeah, mutated amphibian uh, DNA, mm-hmm. um, and. Yeah, because the trout farm is a is a is a root. It's a front. It's a the hand. trout farm yeah, is a front. They're reptiles. They're mutant reptiles. They're mutant amphibians. Um, so yeah, the the game is it's all virtual reality, which virtual reptile because like the idea of virtual spaces is all the more prevalent now than yeah, ever. true. And Although in fairness, everybody was doing virtual reality shit in the nineties. Yeah. So. Also. We put chemicals in the water. They're turning the freaking frogs into video games. <laughs> the video games. <laughs> they're turning. They're turning the freaking frogs into Xbox. They're turning the freaking frogs games. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, you want to spat that white claw yeah. all over your all over yourself? Hell yeah! They're turning the freaking frog games. Yeah, turn the freaking frog games. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Um... <laughs> But yes, as, as, so as they're they're uh, they're jacking in the first group of playtesters into uh, into existence, um, you know this guy pulls out a uh, a, a gun made out of bones, um, which he uses. That's how he sneaks it flesh past gun. security. Um, it's very sort of it's very reminiscent of the the fleshy handgun from Videodrome. Yeah. I, f- I feel like in a lot of ways this movie is sort of like a spiritual sequel to Videodrome. Yes. Definitely um, steals from a lot of the aesthetics. Yeah, uh, but he pulls out this bone gun and shoots Jennifer Jason Leigh. He only wings her before they're able to uh, to stop him. Um, 
but before he does, you know, he yells, death to the demoness, Allegra Geller. Long live the new, wait, never mind. Oh, no, oh, shit. <laughs> long live the, the video game. Long live the new no. fresh. That's me. Ooh, hey, the new fresh. <laughs> What's up? Yeah. Hmm. So then uh, Jennifer Jason Lee and uh, Jude Law have to go on the run um, because somebody has put a hit out on this this hot young game dev for reasons. Who knows why? That's the myth. That's the conspiracy. Speaking um, of hot young game devs, no, I'm not going to talk about myself. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, I I really like the chemistry between Jennifer Jason Lee and Jude Law and how she's um like young but like she's known to be like this great developer and she spends it's uh, a very passionate obsessive mm-hmm. and uh, it's exposited that she's she's kind of a prodigy yeah. you know that she spends most of her time inside which is why they sort of have a moderator there like you know pr- presenting for everyone yeah and uh her performance is really cool because she's both like confident in her abilities and kind of cocky, but also her social abilities are kind of like, uh, receded a little bit. Like she sort of mumbles some of her lines and I, I love her performance. It's like, and she's always like, just, she's just like perpetually horny also. Yeah. She's like the horniest. Yeah. And yeah. you know, she reminds me She's of She's horny for playing games um, and for making games. Oh, hell, what's the name what's the name of the actress? Uh uh in from from Twilight. Uh Kristen Stewart. Kristen, Kristen Stewart. Stewart. She reminds me of Kristen Stewart in Crimes of the Future. Very similar um you know kind of like these Yeah, kind, I can know, like I can see surgeries some... the new sex like ooh, check out my sex video game, you know. I can like, see some very... of the some of the same DNA there. Yeah. Kristen Stewart's character is way like twitchier. Um, yeah, you know. yeah. and creepier too. Yeah. Like, like here, like Jennifer Jason Lee's character is like is still very compelling, and and like there's something about like her confidence, you know, even though she's like kind of like it's like a shy confidence that's like uh, appealing and um, charming, and and Jude Law plays like a wonderful um, young, inexperienced, naive guy, and you know, like he's new to the world of of these games. He's a PR guy. You know, and he's he's a who's been for some reason appointed as her security for this uh, for this detail. And I love she asked was like, why don't you have a gun? He's like, "Uh, they told you I was security. I'm just a PR trainee. Yeah, I I really like like her and her insistence and his uncertainty um, as she perpetually seduces him with this weird technology. Yeah. And it, it works really well, and, and like, their their chemistry is She amazing. pressures, yeah, she pressures him to getting uh, a second butthole put in, a secret second butthole, because um, he doesn't have one. Yeah, he doesn't have a butthole. And, you know, after this, after this like, terrorist attack, you know, uh, she's worried about her, her, her game console, her pod, because um, it's where the only copy of Existence is, because for some reason, devs in this universe don't back up their work. Um, so she's like, the only way, the only way I can figure out, like, if everything is, like, still okay in the game is if I play it with somebody friendly. Are you friendly? You know, it's just, like, laying on the euphemism for playing the game, like, as 
sex just like so fucking heavy mm-hmm. he's like i really do want to play but i don't have a bio port and she's like what how can you not have a bio port in this day and age she's like i have a phobia of being penetrated she kind of like bites her lip a little bit it's like it's like oh well you know we gotta you know we gotta get you a bio port and he's like okay i'll do it because i'm hot for you but we're we're way out here in the country i where are we gonna get a bio port you know i guess just at the at the like local gas station We'll just cut to our friend gas. Cut to the, the local station. gas station <laughs> where they go to get a black market bioport from the gas station attendant named Gas, played by Willem Dafoe. Somehow, we were talking about this before, somehow his only collaboration with Cronenberg, which is crazy to think about because they do seem like so well suited for one another. Yeah. Because Cronenberg's a weird guy, a weird but cool guy. Defoe's a weird but cool guy. Weird but cool guys, like, go together, you know? I agree, I agree. Yeah. Like, where, yeah, where's the love? Where's the, the all the movies that they... they and you know? honestly, his role is great in this movie, but it's so short. Mm-hmm. Short-lived, yeah. He he burns he burns hot and bright, but not for very long. Um but I do love all of that where he's like they they just go to like this this like grease monkey to get the the bioport put in. And he's like Jude Law's like worried about it getting infected. And he's like, "Oh no, these things can't get infected." He's got like motor oil and grease all over his hands and the fucking tools that he's they're basically just big rivet guns yeah. to like there's the first one that is like that he calls the stud finder that'll like marks the spot. Well, I like I love that too because it it makes this sort of uh, analog kind of fleshy uh, metal detector sound, you know? Yeah. Like, a, like a and like as he slowly finds like the spot on his back where he's supposed to. Uh, yeah, stud find. Yeah. Stud find. Well, it's like an act. actual stud finder that you put up against your wall. They they beep when you get closer to the stud. You well, know? Yeah, it makes sense. You you go to stud finder to get penetrated. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. You go to, to gas. You go to gas the stud finder to have your butthole punched <laughs> in. Yep. That's right. <laughs> Crazy! What, what, what an insane movie! I love it. I know it's so good. It's so fucking, weird, it's so fucking funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that he's like you know, he's looking for the stud, and then it just does like a quick little. And he's like, he's like, see, that didn't hurt so bad. He's like, it's the next part that I'm worried about. It like pans over, and he's picking up like a bigger, a yeah. bigger one. Yeah, it looks like the the gun they use to like fucking bolt cattle. It, yeah, it's yeah. like it looks. It's just a giant fucking rivet gun, is what it is. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we're just gonna like jack this little thing into your back here. Um, but. Alas, after they do that, you know, they, they try to they try to, to jack in to Jude Law's new butthole and um it it fries the, the game pod. Um and you know, Jennifer Jason Lee at first blames it on it's like, oh you panicked and it, it causes like a neural surge. That whole thing is I like I swear this never happens. Exactly. It's like a fucking <laughs> premature ejaculation thing. He's like, I didn't I didn't panic. I didn't I didn't surge, I swear. And she's like so mad. You definitely surged. Like, you you surged definitely all surged. over the carpet. 
Well, it's like with all the buildup too. She's you know like licking her finger to like lube up his spraying it with WD. Yeah, with WD forty, like spraying his his hole with WD forty, and just like like licking her finger and like rubbing it around the you know to to prime up to to stick the the cord in, um, and then like yeah, just like immediately you know fries the pot. It's like you came too fast. One you one pump chump. But this revealed, no, he didn't actually come too soon. Uh, Willem, Willem Dafoe, Dafoe gas, gas has betrayed them. Can you believe it? Gas, I, gas. He, he certainly wasn't unleaded. <laughs> Gassed up. Stupid. <laughs> Gassed up Shorty has betrayed them, and he installed a bad port. Uh, into Jude Law because, you know, there's a bounty out on Jennifer Jason Lee and there's a big bonus if he can destroy the, the game as well. Yeah, I like that he says, you know, that, tort's, that port is basically good good for a toaster and that's it. Um, he he's got a lot of good lines. The wrong hole. Yeah. <laughs> he installed a car lighter <laughs> so I can't... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I like his little speech as he's getting the gun ready uh, to Jude Law where he talks about how God is a mechanic um and you know it furthers those themes nicely it's great because i feel like that's sort of a play on the fact that he is uh just one of many deus ex machinas in the rest of the movie Mm -hmm. a lot of gods a lot of machines a lot of gods a lot of machines gods on the machine a lot of deus ex machina yeah exactly um but you know while he's doing his little uh his little villains monologue it gives Jude Law time to uh, shoot him in the back of the of the neck with the the big rivet gun and kill him before he's able to assassinate Jennifer Jason Lee. And then they move on to the next quest, which is go talk to Ian Holm. Uh, and uh, at his Ian Holm. At his Ian Holm, yeah. Doing a funny accent. Doing a funny. Doing one of just many funny accents uh, in this movie, Um, just, like, laying it on really thick. The thing that always gets me, too, is, like, my—whenever I see Ian Holm in anything, it's, like, my association with him, my primary association with him from childhood is obviously— Bilbo, and you know, of course, like he, his other like big role is is Alien. Spy kids, of um, course. I'm always like surprised to see him in not Lord of the Rings movies and see that he's like the same height as like <laughs> other actors. <laughs> he's just a Hobbit IRL. This movie w- came out two years before the first Lord of the Rings. Can you believe that? Wow, <laughs> crazy when you put it into perspective. Yeah, how well, those movies have aged by comparison. Yeah. Uh, I think this movie's aged pretty well. No, yeah, but it's no, it's no Lord of the, way. it's no Lord of the Rings, but uh, it is. Uh, no, I think it, I think I it's mean, aged this pretty movie well. Didn't have that uh, very smooth, smooth Hugo weaving scene like Lord of the Rings does, where it's like what a smooth Hugo weaving scene. Are you talking about the, the dream sequence? I think it is. Oh, or, just like the weird transition yeah. where he's just like. <laughs> Okay, yeah, that's just that's just a weird transition. That's not even a scene. You can't call it that. They just, it is very funny. They though. just shined a really bright light in Hugo Weaving's face and superimposed him over uh, Elijah Wood. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
it's like it's like two seconds. <laughs> it's um, very funny though. It is funny. Um, it's a strange transition. But yeah, so they have to go talk to Ian Holm, who operates a ski lodge that's also a... Video game repair shop. A video game repair shop, um, which in this world, of course, means, uh, as Ian Holm himself basically jokes about, glorified veterinarian. Because the technology is not, you know, metal and parts, it's little... Little guys, delicate flesh. Yeah, you could call him guys. a biohacker. Yes, he's a yes. real cyberpunk. Yes, I do, exactly. I do want to call him that, and I will. Thank you. I like it too because, like uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, the whole time, like her purse that she's carrying around is like a ski boot with like a strap <laughs> on it. Rollerblade. No, it's a ski yeah. boot. Like it does look like a rollerblade, but it's a ski boot because she goes to Ian Holm at the ski lodge, and it's like ah, uh, uh, yeah. See? That's just what purses look like in Canada. Yeah, in the future. Yeah, yeah. Ben, I don't know what you're talking about. About. <laughs> but so he is, uh, again, sort of just like the next deus ex machina who comes along as like, oh, yeah, I can fix your fried game pod, and also I can take out that faulty butthole that Willem Dafoe put in you, and I can give you a better butthole for real this time, I promise. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, And he does, I guess, seemingly. We can rebut him. We can, yeah, we'll we'll get back to his ass later. Then, so once he puts in a good butthole, they can actually play Existence for real. And so we get into the game where the NPC-ness intensifies. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> Did the you mean opening. to say it like that? Did you mean to say NPC-ness? Or N... Wait. What? N... Wait. NCP-ness is, N- what, you're, is N- what you're going for, but I said NPC-ness. Because we're talking about NPCs. I've been biohacked. My brain is all yeah. I think my port is fried. <laughs> That's the power of existence. N- NCIC penis. NC. NPCness. See, see, my port is only fried when I eat really spicy food and then the day after. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love how once they're in like the opening lobby of existence, it's a video game shop with the most ridiculous sounding video games I've ever heard of. Yeah. <laughs> Great classic titles such as Hit by a Car and Chinese Restaurant. Can you survive? Can you survive? I, uh... That one is foreshadowing. Yeah. This shop is my fav- one of my favorite bits of the movie. Nothing really happens. Crazy happens in the shop. Uh, there's no action <coughs> set pieces here. It's mostly just dialogue. But I I just love the design of it. The colors, it's like all these like once vibrant green and blue walls uh, that have now faded, um, and like red lights you know coming through the windows, and the whole back wall is painted. Um, you can see like the the window out front is like has a has big painted letters on it that we never see it from the outside. It feels like this just this weird like retro gamer sex shop. And it, yeah, it's it's super cool. I, I I love I love the whole vibe again. It's super '90s, and uh, yeah, just all the like the the faded, once vibrant colors. Um, it's all grody, and 
it's just neat and it feels cheap and uh you and know. it's run and it's run by Darcy Nader doing NPC a, doing a hell of an accent just yet another of the films just absolutely insane accents his is probably the most insane I can't. Yeah. I can't tell what it is I, supposed I, I to be. I thought it was. I think it's supposed to be like a weird Irish, but only every other word is like Irish sounding. Yeah, it's weird. Like he puts like some weird stank on stuff. Like I kind of feel like it's supposed to be like deep, like New England kind of accent, like Maine, uh, like the dude from like Pet Cemetery. You know, you gotta be careful on that rod. You know that kind of accent. That's sort of like old. I, honestly, I that's sort of like that's sort of like old Maine accent. You know. Honestly, I bet it's like an obscure... you almost went into Valley Girl. That was kind of yeah. funny. I, I come on that rod. No, that's how like... they talk. It talks about you got to no, be careful. They can't let the kids play in that rod. The trucks go real fast on that rod. They go real fast. They go real fast on that rod. <laughs> I almost feel like it's an obscure Canadian <laughs> accent, like. Newfoundland or it could it could you know it could be yeah well I mean Newfoundland is just like New England but even more north (laughs) like so you're probably you're probably right that honestly that probably is what it is I don't think I've ever heard somebody from Newfoundland speak though so I don't know I don't know what they sound like I haven't heard anyone from old Finland either But yeah, I I love him. I, I love I love. Uh, you love Darcy Nader. I do. I I, I really people from old Finland. I, I it, uh, they do great metal music. Mm. I no longer have beef with old. Finland. Oh, Ben's come around on Finland. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all right. Oh, what a what a what a surprise. Uh, no longer beefing with Finland. Yeah, yeah that's good. Um, uh, but no, I uh, this is uh, he's he's the character uh, who he, they use his character to. Uh, introduce this idea of how to talk to NPCs. Yeah. Because this is when they've truly entered the game. Jude Law doesn't really know how to, like, speak with these characters, and he finds himself, like, suddenly snapping into things This is the first game he's ever played. Yeah. In his life. Imagine never playing a game before, and your very first game is Fallout 3. You're pretty overwhelmed. Much as Jude Law is. You know, Fallout 3 does a pretty good job of onboarding you. But if it's the first game you've ever played, does it? Eh, probably not. Probably not. Yeah, a lot of buttons. It's a lot of buttons. And a lot of NPCs repeating their lines at you. Like yeah. Darcy N- Nader does. I almost, Nader. Called him, I almost called him Darcy Nesbitt. I don't know where that <laughs> came from. <laughs> Like Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is Nesbitt. Okay. I feel like if Fallout 3 was my first game ever, I'd try to join the Tunnel Snakes and just kind of dominate. Honestly, the, uh, they should the give you that option because the Tunnel Snakes are cool. Yeah. They, they tunnel rule. Snakes rule. Yeah. <laughs> tunnel Snakes rule. They wear that. And also, I'm really only saying that because I have not gotten much farther than that in Fallout 3. In fairness, I usually give up not long after I make it out of the vault. So the Tunnel Snakes are really my biggest experience with Fallout 3. And they're, they they do rule. Yeah. The Tunnel rule. So uh, I, I love, uh, yeah, like as Jude Law is figuring out how to talk to him, he keeps stopping um, to talk to his cohort and like they, they, they'll have these little monologues and the camera will keep cutting back to Darcy Nader just sort of like ambiently looking around and like staring at the floor like his idol animation yeah he's doing like his <laughs> idol animation and it's really charming and funny and uh, yeah like, this this movie um, it's it's never afraid to be silly um, no and, and so many of like 
Cronenberg's other films are, are very serious and, and dark and off-putting and uncomfortable, but there's no, like, there's no comedy in The Fly, you know, like, that I can really think of. Like, when there is, it's like Jeff Goldblum, like, is, like, making a joke and it's, yeah. it's, it's intentionally uncomfortable and it's, like, it lands as horror, right? But, like, here in Existence, like, there's, there's so many times where, like, you're just earnestly this is a, laughing. This is a much campier film, but also there's a fair amount of Cronenberg you haven't seen. So I won't, I, mean, I don't this think is this is, yeah. this is, uh, and I would argue the only that example the, of camp. Got a lot of the sense of comedy in this movie is much more of an American sensibility than a Canadian sensibility. I feel like Canadian humor is much drier, which comes out in stuff like The Fly and Videodrome with, People like Brian Oblivion. Yeah. You know? I do such. think Videodrome is a kind of funny movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, it's a very dry sense of humor. Yeah. Where, like, in this movie, the humor is a little more direct. It's it's a schlockier film. Yeah. And um, there's certainly intent behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll sort of discuss that in shortly. Um but I, yeah, I, I love on the subject of like goofy moments, like when they're later, like later in in the game, when they're at the the Chinese restaurant in in the forest, um, where Jude Law's like, I want to pause the game, like he's feeling like a little bit <laughs> overwhelmed, and um, so it just he just stands up and shouts at the ceiling, existence is. Paused and then just immediately falls face first onto so the, funny. Onto the table. Holy shit! Great comedic timing. Yeah, it's like just all of his motor function just ceases and he I falls over. I love how that uh, transition is shot because he falls down onto the table and the table is like fluffy and red, and it cuts to him yeah. on the bed, which is. Mm-hmm you know, coated with a red sort of duvet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always match cuts, um, or not, uh, you know, or like there's really cool synchronous editing. Like, the first time he jacks in, he he sees people walking up the banister or up the, like, the spiral stairs in the log, in the cabin, and then we cut back to his reaction again, and then we cut back and there are people walking up the stairs of the shop. Yeah. Um, and that's, it's so much more confident and cool and unique and timeless than uh, a weird glitch grid transition effect yeah. that so many other movies would want to do, like Star Trek going into a hollow suite or something silly. You know, like, it's never anything like that. It's it's always just, it's all analog, it's all real, it's just these, you know, like, we're slowly f- waking up from a dream or falling asleep. Yeah. And I love that. I love it. Well, and he even comments on it, too. He asks her about, like, how how that works, and she's like, Oh, you know, you can do any kind of transition. You can do, like, hard cuts. You can do, like, slow fades. Um, ben made a joke about star wipes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the George Lucas. The George game. Lucas approach, yeah, the checkerboard wipe. Star um, Wars, but... Exist stars. Capital T, capital Z. Yeah, wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. But I feel like that little bit too uh, is is you know doing a nice little parallel to the filmmaking process as well, and how like the the things in common that like film and video games have, how it's sort of like a guided experience. Because um, I think a, a big part of this movie too is like how much there is like an illusion of agency, 
but how it's really like a lot more on rails. And I think that that's like part of good game design as well. And I know you can speak mm-hmm. to that. Cleveland is like the best games are the ones that like make you feel that you have a lot of agency, but it's sort of like guiding you in a way that like you're not really, you know, fully yeah. realizing consciously. Um, but how film is also that as well, you know, it's guiding you on rails through the through the story yeah like the the tricky part with with games is also that the more threads you create uh the more work uh it's it can be very very complicated um and that's why like the the your best choice based systems are usually like built around a funnel you know or at least a bisect you know bifurcated funnel where there's like two choices but everything funnels down into one of those two choices right exactly Um, the illusion of of more agency than there actually is you know just some capacity like part of that is just budget like the you know games already like even you know games on rails you know take like just heaps heaps of money to make and and labor and lots of people and uh but what I, what I like about this, about, like, an organic game, you know, one that isn't, like, hard-coded, is it's messy. It's yeah. sloppy. And, and, and there's something really cool, and I think, uh, I, I find really compelling about that, that idea, too, is it's, you know, these, these games are, in, in this world, are, are sort of marketed as experiences, and, yeah. um, uh, well, it's, it, it it's really alternate me, reality. Yeah. And it almost reminds me more of like some shit like Minecraft or whatever. Right. Where like, there isn't necessarily an objective. I mean, especially when Minecraft first came out, right? Like it was just go explore and build things yeah. and, and, and play and experience. Um, and, uh, it, it became much more than that over time, but like initially it was just like, it was essentially just Legos. Yeah. And, well, and like, I... that's sort of what Existence feels like, where it's like, there is a plot, there's a threat through line, but like, it, it can change and it can shift. Well, that's what's really compelling about it, right? Because it presents the idea of that openness and free agency, but then it takes over the, the user's body yeah. to kind of guide the the narrative well yeah i think it's a lot of plot determinism i think it's actually very on rails Mm -hmm. i think it's i think it really it like it it really is the illusion of free will and agency but it does like very specifically guide them from set piece to set piece even hard cutting them like several times when it needs to um, and I think, you know, uh, Jude Law says something when they're walking through the, the trout factory at one point, um, he's like, I don't know if like this is, this game is going to be hard to market cause there's like no clear objective and, um, you know, you don't know what you're trying to do and there's like people you don't know who are out to get you, blah, 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 all this stuff nobody's going to want to play this. And Jennifer Jason Lee says something like you're playing this every day. Like people are playing this all the time. The idea that like, even in reality, like how much is like truly free will and agency and like how much is like predetermined and like that you're going through life with no clear objective, but you do get from like in between these like large milestones in your life and stuff yeah. like that. And I mean like the idea of 
free will and agency in video games is really interesting because for a historical context for when this game came out, it was only a few years separated from early immersive sims and uh, just a couple of years after like Elder Scrolls 2, you know? Uh, yeah. And like the idea of a game, you know, where it touts itself as you know, being open and allowing for creative agency, how much is really, you know, free will and agency in a curated experience? Yeah. You know? And uh, I think it's a really interesting question, and, like, I, I find it... One of the reasons this movie is so fascinating to me is because it seems like Cronenberg has a genuine curiosity about that, Mm -hmm. you know, where, you know, like, he's dedicated to filmmaking, Mm -hmm. which is a very different medium, but I think that the core tenets are still the same, is, like, the experience being curated. It's still curated storytelling, yeah. It's it's shown really well in that, like, whenever there is a derailing in the story, it's when they revert back to their actual selves and their characters. So, like, when they first enter Existens, um, you know, Jude Law, like, has to kind of stop and make little asides to get comfortable and to find himself, whereas his character in Existens is, is a badass. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a decker. He's, like, he's cool. Um, but uh, he's, he's not. He's, he's unsure of himself. So, like, he has to, like, the NPCs have to kind of stop and reality has to stop around him Whenever he derails, yeah, and, he, has and to so, ask, he has to ask questions. And whenever he's brought back onto the rails, that's when things get interesting, right? Like that's when the plots happen, like for assassinations or the you know the an army guy kicks in the door and there's explosions or whatever. Like like that's it's because the world is guided because it's on rails. It's interesting, and in game design, it's very similar. Like you know, even in games where like choice is really important you still want to make sure that you're funneling the players towards the most fun experience and the best results. So whatever choice that they do make, you want to have, you know, you want to make sure it's tailored so that they're, they're having the best experience, especially like when you're developing a game and like, you're also showing that game to investors or whoever else. Like you want to make sure that like the investor who's playing the game doesn't walk down the, the boring hallway. And if there is a boring hallway or if there's a longer route to like the objective that isn't as much fun, Kill it. Get rid of it. Like, what, what are you doing? Right? Um, or make it more interesting. And, and I think that that also comes back to those, those concepts of determinism and, like, those greater philosophies on just existence and life itself as well. Is Well, you know, like, do we have agency and do we want to even have agency? Do we not just want it to play out for us? Is that more interesting? You know? I think the answer was somewhere between the two. One of our listeners, Micah, in our Discord that you can join if you join our Patreon. Join the Patreon. Um, uh, asked a really good question uh, last week or the week before about a uh, horror movie uh, protagonist making dumb decisions and what we thought about that, if it was frustrating to us or not. And to me, my answer was it comes down to if the decision is made for the sake of plot determinism, like if it's only made to advance the plot, then it feels dumb and, you know, bad, Mm -hmm. you know. Or it can. It can be frustrating, yeah. 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 Where I I think that idea 
really plays into the idea of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Because they kind of directly talk about plot determinism yeah. and like the characters doing things only to advance the plot. Right. And it kind of plays with that idea um, in a way to kind of emphasize how the media you're consuming is on rails and deterministic regardless. Yeah. It yeah, doesn't absolutely. Care about you. Another great example is uh, Exostar Wars, uh, the the Force. Like, you can just exchange, like, you could just control Finder, like, through the Star Wars script and replace the word the Force with the script. You know? Yeah, sure. The script be with you, you know? Like, like oh, th- this is all determined by the script. Um, the Force. It's it's faith. Faith, you know, puts you on rails. It puts you on your path. It's eh, kind of cool. Yeah, destiny, fate, and so on. Yeah. It's like... The greater will. The, the, the game is very much... The game. The movie is, uh, you know, very much driven around, like, the concept in video games that is still in, like, most video games. It's like, even if the game gives you agency, you can go walk around town and poke in the corners and talk to the other NPCs. But if you want to advance the story, if you want to move on, you got to go talk to that one specific NPC who's got the quest, right? Yep. You know, who's going to open up the next area for you. And this game is... Here I go again. This movie is kind of the same where, like, they do have these constant, like, little asides and, like, talking about, it's like, well, do I want to do this? Like, should we do this? It's like, but in order to progress, you got to do the established pre-scripted action to keep the game moving forward, to keep the story moving, to keep the movie going. Um and and I think that the way that the movie plays with that idea and sort of like like makes it very apparent, like points directly at it is is a lot of fun. Yeah, um it's got it all under John Locke and Key. Damn <laughs> Look at you. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we should jump ahead a bit. There's a lot of details, but you know, this is a movie that you should just check out. I think we should talk about like the the twist. Yeah, um, sure. We can talk about the gun. Oh, yeah. Well, at the Chinese restaurant, when they order the special, they get the... They have to eat this, like, horrible... So cool. ...frog platter to get all of the pieces to put together another bone gun that shoots teeth. Um, and it's a, a really great, disgusting scene. Yeah, well, like, like, what an incredible prop. Like, to make it feel, like, proper, like amphibious skeletons um like like he takes all the skin off of it and it's got that particularly amphibian like gel and congealedness slime and the slime slime and goo and goop and and just all the bits all the uh all the all this like the nasty bits in there and And then he has to like eat the meat and he's like character eats it so yeah he's like this is gross it's like i'm trying i'm fighting it but it's not doing any good because he's having to do the pre-scripted action because he's got to advance the plot right and he's talking about is like i don't like this this is gross i don't want to be doing this but like my character is doing it so he's like slurping the meat off of these nasty little like fish frog skeletons and putting together the pieces of this uh fucking bone gun to, to make the prop feel like animal parts that actually do perfectly like click together mm-hmm. to form it is so cool and so complicated like that it must have been like such a challenge 
Like, yeah, it's a really cool it prop, amazing. and it feel yeah, it feels and still just like covered in like bits of meat, you know, like a like not on chicken bones, and it's slimy and it's gross. And he like as he's eating it, like he feels something like pop in his mouth, and he reaches in and he pulls out a bridge, you know, with a few false teeth on it that he then like loads into the gun as the bullets, and he shoots their dang waiter. He shoots yeah. Chinese waiter. And Which is the character's name. That's not me being stereotypical. Yes. Yeah. Really. But doesn't the waiter, like, shoot the gun? Do I remember that wrong? Oh, or no. He uh, pulls Jude, out a giant Yeah, Jude Law shoots him. Yeah. He He sort of misses, and he just wings him. He, like, gets the side of his Cheap. face and his ear. And, yeah, he pulls out a big cleaver from behind him. And he, like cuts like the tip off the gun the gun starts bleeding it's great it looks so oh, good yeah, it it's awesome. like gushing blood yeah and then he shoots him again um and that's a a great uh like dummy prop the the guy's face with the gun oh uh, it's awesome yeah it looks so good it's that, that same idea like whether it's the game systems or the guns that like they're they're built out of these like living things yeah, you know, like well, there's the, even the, the great the... scene, like, early on when they're first on the run where, like, his phone starts ringing and he reaches in, he pulls it out. It's like a little squishy, like, sort of dildo-looking thing that just, like, flashes red. It's like all the tech in this world is just, like, it, it's just, like, living. It's yeah, biotech. It's yeah, it's mm-hmm. flesh tech. Um, it's so funny and cool and creepy and weird. And Cronenberg. You love it. You love to see it. Um I feel like I, I saw a news story a few months back about them trying to sell, like, a flesh phone or, like, a flesh phone case or something. Do you guys remember what? that? Yeah. Uh, no. The flesh phone cases were, like, they didn't try to. They succeeded. Like, you can you could go online and buy one that, like, is, like, nasty skin with bits of hair on it and a nipple. What? Like, yeah, dude. Are they made out of real human skin? No. Oh. But it, it it's made to look like it. It's like the you know the beach towels that that look like you have a bare butt. Yeah, but I don't want like skin phone. <laughs> no. Yeah, look at this. Ooh, no, I don't like <laughs> yeah. that at all. Like, that is a that is like a Cronenberg wet dream yeah. though. Yeah, I mean that is yeah, what he phone. that is what he imagined. That is what he envisioned. And the future is now. The future is now. Crimes of the future. <laughs> Down. Uh, death to video phone. I think I might have mentioned it a while on, on a previous episode, but Crimes of the Future was the working title of Existence. Hell yeah. The second time that he used that title after his yeah. short Crimes of the Future. Hell yeah. Which is unrelated to the current, <laughs> the actual film Crimes of the Future. But yeah, that's Cronenberg, man. He's just had the same shit bouncing around in his, in his head. Yeah, for... in Crimes of the Future, they use that same little kind of pod thing to, yeah. to do the sur- surgeries. Yeah, man, he's, he's, been, he's been obsessed with all the same stuff for, for decades. He's like his, Yeah, he's just like, his, his career is just, has just been like iterating on the same mm-hmm. ideas over and over again well, in like in fresh and interesting ways. Yeah, well, you know, it's a, it's a silly comparison, but it reminds me a lot of like Hidetaka Miyazaki. And how he plays with the same themes of, like, wolf knights and, you know, like, all of his games, like, from Armored Core to Elden Ring to Dark Souls, there's Artorias, there's Blythe, there's the, yeah. the guy in Armored Core, too, more, more recently. It's all just... With, like, the muzzled wolf. 
it's all just uh, berserk homage. Right, yeah, it's berserk homage. It's all just yeah, berserk homages. But, uh, yeah. but no, I, but your 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 point stands yeah, just like with those themes, iterating on these same ideas and themes and things that mm-hmm. are like not like not connected yeah. to one another. You know, and like you can say the same too about like even Stephen King with like childhood and horror yes. and. You know, what it's like to, to be a kid and experience fear or to experience, like, the the fear of losing your kid or whatever that might be. Like, yeah, through, through most of his work, like, he experiences those themes, whether it's Pet Cemetery or It or hey, um, like, The Outsider or whatever. I think when you're an artist and you figure out how to do something, like, really well, like, if you can keep doing it really well, it, yeah. then, like, do, I mean... Fucking yeah, there's same. there's a lot of great there's a lot of great bands that are like that too. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking about that that new Incantation album just came out, which is really fucking good. And it's like they've been making the same fucking album for like thirty years, and every time it's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's like every time it's good, and I just if it ain't broke, if it ain't broke, you know. And and I think that's a fine counterbalance to. You know, the artists out there who are doing bold new things every time they, you know, they make a movie. Um, I think, in fairness, I think Cronenberg strat is is the best of both, really. Yeah. Because, like, his like... movies don't feel repetitive or derivative or even like he's making the same movie over again. But they all do sort of rhyme, you know? And I mean, mm-hmm. in fairness, Cronenberg did get a little burnt out on body horror and the... 2000s yeah totally turned to movies like a history of violence eastern Eastern promises Promises, a dangerous method fucking cosmopolis that's a weird fucking movie man did he do maps to the stars yeah yeah i didn't see that is that any good movie yeah i I, I really like that one anyway i do want to before we wrap up we do need to talk about the the twist the 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 way the the film ends um basically to, to sort of fast forward, uh, the pod in the game gets infected and it spreads to, to the real world and the, the fucking realists come in with their berets and their guns and they're shooting up the ski lodge. I'm not sure, like, who they're shooting at. Like, there aren't, like, henchmen or anything. There's just kind of people running around shooting and blowing things up. It's pretty funny. Well, it reminds me, it has that kind of spontaneity of something like a, like a paprika, you know? Yeah. It's like just this sudden surreal event occurs, and you don't yeah. know whether you're surprised, shocked, or supposed to laugh. It, it's it's so sudden and jarring, like, you know, waking up from, you know, back into reality. Or into another dream! Yeah. Well, they, uh, on, this, on the subject of that, you know... Jude Law reveals that he's been with the realists all along and that he's gotten close to Jennifer Jason Lee so he can assassinate her. And right as he's about to shoot her, you know, she uh, detonates uh, his second butthole. And, as you uh, put it during the movie, he got his back blown talk, out. Yeah, talk about getting your back blown out because <laughs> um, there's just like a big bloody... It's just huge, delicious squib that just shoots out of his lower back. Well, I mean, Um, what she installed earlier was literally an explosive butt plug, when you think about it. Yes, that's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she put an explosive butt explosive butt plug in him um and blew butt plug and blew his (laughs) and blew his back out. But then, um, (laughs) but then they all wake up and oh my god. 
the whole movie has actually been the game but, from the from the get go. And the coolest way for you to visually recognize that is immediately is they're now wearing blue plastic headsets. Yes, much more traditional, like what you would sort of consider '90s future tech yeah. Nintendo Power Glove they, kind they of look, shit. They look you know? like something you'd see in like a Super Sentai or something like that. You know, yeah. like, like uh, something a, a villain would wear on their head. They're, yep. they're really fun. I, I love I love the designs. It's very. It's very beetle-like. It's very, you know, insectoid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And totally and totally opposite of the, the flesh tech that we've been seeing through the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we see, okay, pretty much all of the characters that we've seen in this movie are the test group for the real video game. They're still sitting in that same church. Even Willem Dafoe all there. is there. Willem Dafoe, Ian Holm, they're all there, and they're all doing their actual voices and their real accents and it's like and for me like this was the first time i saw it ben introduced me to this movie in college um i remember watching it i think our freshman year and my taste was much less refined back then i'll be the first to admit that but like i was sort of frustrated by a lot of this movie like the first time i watched it because I had seen other Cronenberg, like The Fly and Videodrome, like the big ones, and had liked them and was watching this, and I'm like, man, the acting is terrible, and the dialogue is all so stiff and wooden, and like, what the fuck is with Jude Law's accent? And what the fuck is with Ian Holmes' accent? And it's like, what the fuck is with that dude's accent? And it's just like, then at the end, it's like, it's like, oh, because... The whole fucking movie has been a video game from the get-go, and everybody's been in fucking NPC mode. Yeah. yeah. And he says it, too. Like, Ian Holmes stands up, and, and he says... He's like, like, I feel like my accent was too thick. Like, I could barely understand what I was saying half the time. That was just, like, such... For, like, 20-year-old me, like, that was such, like, a just sublime moment of revelation (laughs) that like, Oh man, everything that has been frustrating me about this movie for the last, you know, hour and 40 minutes is actually brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Mind blown. It was, it was a, it was a mind blowing moment for, for young me. Um, and it's, and it's special. And I mean, like once you know the twist and honestly, even for like a more astute viewer, like I think you can pick up on that pretty novel. Yeah. You pick up on it pretty early on in the film. Like it's not exactly subtle. There's that whole scene where like, you know, Willem Dafoe is like installing the, the uh, butthole for Jude Law and Jennifer Jason Lee is like walking around outside and she's like touching everything and you know she like picks up yeah. a handful of dirt and she's like smelling the gas pump and that's when the little fucking two-headed like lizard thing runs up and it's like that scene is so just like obviously like her marveling at this like artificial world that she's been immersed in yeah and I mean like it to me it feels like Inception pulled a lot of the ideas yeah. of like reality inside reality from this movie. If you say paprika, well, now I don't have to. I mean, also paprika, but this movie as well because it's playing with that same idea of realities within realities and worlds within worlds, uh, and kind of going up levels yeah. of sorts. Um, and it also ends 
with an ambiguous ending, much like Inception does. Yeah, yeah, it does. Well, you know, they come out of it and they're talking about, oh, what a great game it is and blah, 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 all this stuff. And then uh, Jude Law and uh, Jennifer Jason Lee pull guns on the actual game dev um, and, you know, like, oh, you, you, you have to die for being too good at making video games. The, the ultimate, uh, desecrator of reality or something, you know, and they have their, literally their, their, uh, death to videodrome, long live the new flesh. Um, I forget it. What exactly do they say? Death to, uh, the demon, death to the demon, uh, whatever the, that the dev's the name dev, is. Yeah. Um, I just want to say death to video game, yeah. <laughs> but that's not, that's basically, not what they say. Basically, basically they yeah. do. Yeah, but then, then, you know, then everyone else is, like, looking at them after they've, like, fucking uh, murked that dude and Sarah Pauly, um, and uh, somebody's like, so wait, are we still, is this still the game? And then it, like, goes to credits. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you're, you're right, it is like the end of the Inception. It's like, is the top going to fall? Is this still the dream? <laughs> yeah. Is this still the game? How many layers does this go? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, would, I, I did preemptively block your paprika mention, Cleve, but that movie came out in 2006, and this movie came out in 99. Do you think this movie inspired some of those levels, like dream levels? Of reality that well, we can't ask we, we can't ask Satoshi Kon, can we? Um, oh, no. We can't. Uh, yeah, but maybe we can ask David Cronenberg. Maybe he knows. Let's get David on the phone, shall we? Are y'all are you ready to rate this? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. This is a this is this is a great movie. A really fun, interesting movie with some twists and turns and some. Some really good, bad acting that's intentionally bad. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I like this movie a lot. It's not my favorite Cronenberg, but um, it's a damn good time. Strong four out of five. I love this movie. I I really like the ideas and concepts that Cronenberg is playing with here of reality and free will and the boundaries between... Uh, art and reality and kind of the overlap of our subjectivity. And what if video games um, were horny? And, you know, we didn't even <laughs> mention kind of the the most on-the-nose part of that is the game and the movie is called Existence. Yeah. Existence, you know? It's, it's playing with those ideas very directly. You know, and I... Uh, and then when they come out of Existence, the game that they were actually in is Transcendent. Yeah, because it's because it transcends beyond existence. (laughs) So silly. Um, Well, yeah, and you know, I I feel like David Cronenberg has very distinct periods within his filmography. His kind of more serious, slow uh, '80s period, you know, Videodrome ending with like the fly. Um, to his 90s more Hollywood stuff with stuff like uh, The Dead Zone and this. Correction. The Dead Zone came out in 1983. 
and then 2000s with the Eastern Promises, History of Violence, and now the new stuff. Um, but in terms flash. of in terms of the 90s sort of Hollywood Cronenberg, I feel like this might be my favorite of that era. If you don't count, like, The Fly, because The Fly, I feel like, is the end of the previous era. No, I think Dead Ringers is the end of the previous okay, era. Okay, yeah, I can yeah. see that, too. Because that was a couple years after The Fly. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that does feel like mm-hmm. kind of the end of that type of movie. Yeah, Dead Ringers is 88, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but regardless, I in terms of, like, the 90s Hollywood, Cronenberg, yeah. this is probably my favorite of that era. So I'm going to give it a four and a half out of five. I really like this movie a lot. Cleveman? Yeah, uh, just ditto all of that. There was one detail I forgot to mention earlier, so I'm going to do it in my rating, because I just, beyond that, it's just the same as you guys. Um, and that is, I really like how Willem Dafoe as Gas, uh, as the, the mechanic, um, when he first recognizes, um, uh, uh, what's her, what's her her character's name allegra um, allegra like he reaches into his wallet and he he pulls out a newspaper clipping from his wallet and you can see there's a bunch of other newspaper clippings in his wallet and it's like what are they is there, are there more clippings of her are they newspaper clippings of other people does he just keep things cl- newspaper clippings of things he likes in his wallet yeah it's he, such, ca- he carries around pictures of, the, of people he thinks are cool yeah it, it's it's such a, a, a an interesting like I don't know, there's some weird texture to that, like keeping newspaper clippings in your wallet that I really like. And there's so many little details like that in this film. It's great. Death to the Demoness, uh, four and a half out of five. Well, that will give Existence an average of 4.3 out of five. Uh, Check it out. If you're a Cronenberg fan, and this is maybe one that you haven't seen, this is a slightly deeper cut, definitely worth your time. Definitely worth your time. Uh, Next week... We're moving on to Cleveland's pick. He was agonizing over this for a long time before we started the episode. Are you still... What do you want to cover, Cleve? Five, I'm going four, to cover something three. that I, I really liked from my childhood. I've been meaning to revisit it for a long time. We're going to do Brendan Fraser's The Mummy. Oh, oh shit! Okay. Oh, for real? For real. I re- I watched that. I think last year I watched that in the Mummy Returns. I'm it's I'm fun. Very excited. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Hell yeah. Because yeah, I've yeah, not yeah. seen it since I was a kid. I watched it on repeat. I loved it. I have a lot of fond memories of that film, and I'm 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 a little nervous to see how it holds up. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Good. I think Good. You'll be pleasantly surprised. It, we're also just we're seeing like the resurgence of Brend- Brendan Fraser. You know, he's back in like the Hollywood scene, and I, I just yeah, it, it's time. It's time for me to revisit that film. Yeah, I had a, a couple of other picks go, going into the podcast. I was going to go with, and I yeah. thought about it. No, he pulled an audible. He pulled an audible, and and honestly, I'm I'm totally here for it. Yeah, it's oh, yeah. a fun movie. All right, so uh, yeah, n- next week join us for uh, the Mummy, starring Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weiss, who He's was in the Dead Ringer show. Who's in the Dead Ringer show, which I saw and I thought was pretty good. Not as good as the movie. I still but, need to check it out. Um, yeah, worth checking out. All right, um, do a quick sponsor. Quick sponsor. Yeah. Oh, shit, there's only two sponsors on the shelf. Oh, geez, I'll need to do the blood ritual soon. <laughs> yeah, I gotta, gotta exsanguinate for the... Yeah, I gotta go talk to Nathan so we can get you that blood. <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. <laughs> That's an old stupid joke. Um, this week was brought to you by... <laughs> 
We were talking about this earlier. Imagine dragons. Derogatory. <laughs> we were we were just we spent like fifteen minutes dunking on Ima- yeah, Imagine podcast, Dragons right yeah. before we started recording. Yeah, waking up. Ass and butts. I wipe my my my. <laughs> what is it? I wipe my butt and I slap my nuts. <laughs> yeah. Radioactive. I'm right? Radioactive, baby. All right. Yeah. Here we go. Imagine Dragons. Derogatory. All right. Um, no hate, but goddamn. Plenty of hate. Well, that'll bring us to the end of this week's episode. If you like the show, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Not Stitcher, though. That doesn't... That's... that's Shit, that was where I got my podcasts. Well, not anymore. Not okay. anymore, it's not. Um, but you can... Uh, you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. Yeah, join the Patreon to get access to the Discord. Um, shout out to our honorary pod boys, Sam, Zach, Micah, and Mitchell. Um, y'all are the best. We love and appreciate you. And thank you for your support of the show. Um, you can also follow us at letterbox.com slash pod people pod, where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews. My recommendation for this week, Armored Core 6. Play it. It's good. Incredible game. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to mirror that. So I'm still in my retro game era. Uh, I I started playing on my Steam Deck, Burnout Three Takedown for Ooh, the I PS2. Um, it has a mode called Crash Mode, where all you do is crash into an intersection and see how much money and damage you can make in terms of destroying yeah. uh, cars. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. And uh, it's like chain reactions and stuff. Fucking, um, say, I remember Saints Row, at least a couple of those. Had insurance a, fraud. Yeah, the insurance fraud minigame yeah. where you're just trying to wreck as much shit as possible. Yeah. yeah that's very I, uh, much into the, those kinds of games. It's, honestly, the Burnout 3 game is very mission-based, and like half of the game is just crash mode. So big oh, yeah. recommend there. It is a blast and very satisfying. Nice. Yeah. Um, you know, shout out to Dread XP. I'm I'm working there doing doing video games. Go play them. Um Go Wishlist I doesn't exist. I haven't talked about I doesn't exist very much, and it's it's a really cool it's a really cool title uh that we've got. Um uh, that we're working on it's uh, uh no it's grammatically incorrect uh no it's in brackets the i doesn't exist it's like a it's an existential thing it has to do with the self i don't you. exist Cleveland. yeah <laughs> yeah she <you, laughs> does it who, who did was someone talking <laughs> i don't know they don't exist anyway uh yeah please go check it out it's it's it starts as text-based and it has a sort of automated learning system that's really cool i i would i would check it out it's a it's it's really a sweet game you know i doesn't exist but i dozer exists if you want those sick binaural beats digital drugs in your ears (laughs) oh my god (laughs) shaking my head all right thanks for listening until next time we hope that you transcendence existence. <laughs> <laughs>